Welcome to episode 12 of the Giraffe Champions podcast. I'm here with John Bosch, an 11-year NFBC veteran, and he's a DFS shark. You can find him at Forslot, so F-O-U-R-S-L-O-T on Twitter, and he actually has even less followers than Mike the Mouth. Okay, how you doing? How you doing, John? Doing great, Zach. Thanks for having me, buddy. How was the intro? Man, I'll tell you, a little Motley Crue wild side to get anybody going. And I and I, I do want to thank you. It was uh, it was certainly better than than uh, you know MTM's uh, intro, you know. And uh, thank thank you for doing that. Well, do you know what? Like I I always say, there's a direct correlation between um, the quality of the guest and the quality of the intro. I agree. I agree. I mean, uh, you know, with, with, with Mike, uh, Masato, I thought maybe you'd go Michael Bolton or, uh, you know, maybe Celine Dion or something like that, you know, and, but, uh, you know, I appreciate you, uh, you know, stepping up with some hair band music. That's awesome, man. Well, yeah, no, I was just talking to, uh, Mike DeMelt and we're, we're uh, trying to decide on what the intro will be next, next time he comes on, if he's allowed back. Um, and, uh, I think those are, those are some good suggestions. Um, did you say Kenny G or no? Yeah, Kenny G is always yeah. a good go-to with him. Um, you know, Rick Springfield. You yeah. know that that's a, that's another guy uh, he really likes. Uh, what about Boy you know, George? Hall, Boy George? You know, you know Boy George. I, you know, I don't think he ever got into that phase. You know, he he's kind of a workout guy. You know, maybe maybe Millie Vanilli. You know, something like that. Vanilla Ice. Uh, Vanilla Ice definitely definitely he, he definitely had the flat top at one time. I know that for sure. Oh yeah. And the wide pants and the, what about in sync? Like not not their slow stuff, but like the like the good like fast paced in sync. Well, I'm pretty sure in sync was like his his wedding song. I'm pretty sure that one of those songs was wedding song, you know. And and I, I think he tried to even sing the song while it was happening. And uh, there wasn't a dry eye in the whole place, to be honest with you. Oh, I can uh, imagine. The, guy, the guy's a romantic. He's a romantic. He might come off as a, as a big tough guy, but the guy's a romantic. All right. Well, I research all my guests, like including him before they come on. And I, you know what? I just stumbled onto uh, the baseball reference uh, page and I, I found a John Bosch. Is that you? Yeah, yes, sir. I played, uh, I played minor league ball for a little while, uh, short stint. Um, and, um, you know, I, 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 I dabbled in uh, a lot of the pro tryouts with uh, the Phillies, the Red Sox, uh, a few other teams. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up having to make a very tough decision at a young age. I, I was offered a pensionable job in New York City with the Transit Authority, and um, I, I had to decide whether to pursue the dream or, you know, or, you know, take on this great opportunity. And, you know, I decided to, to move forward with a career path that, you know, I thought would, uh, you know, propel me into, into um, you know, my 30s and 40s. So, I missed it. You know, I had a great time doing it and, and it was successful, but I, I, uh, I just had to make that tough decision, you know? So I, pl- I play in a, a variety of fantasy leagues and some of the leagues I play in are on base percentage leagues. And I'm mm-hmm. looking at your stats here. Um, you, you hit 203, but your on yep. base percentage is 371, which is really good. So if I were drafting in 1997, um, yep. <laughs> I might just take a flyer on you, especially in a dynasty format. Yeah. I don't know. Like it looks pretty good. And you, you, get, yeah. you got a game, you got a game here at catcher. So you might be like, you might think you can get catcher eligibility off of you. Yeah, man. Really? So, so my, my, my whole deal was I had a, I had a big old bag with two gloves at every position. Cause I, I played every position on the field and, and, and I never knew at, at any point where I was playing. And I used to look up at the lineup card and say, okay, where am I at? You know? 
And um, did you ever pitch? It doesn't. Um, I, I did. I did pitch, um, but not not in the actual not in the minors. But I, I did pitch uh, prior to that in, in college and high school. But but um, you know, catching was my love because I love calling the game, and I played the corners pretty well. And it was funny because I never played the outfield ever in college and high school. And when I got signed, they asked me. They said, "Hey." Um, we literally had three captains and they played catcher third and first, which was my main position. <laughs> and they said, we want to get you back in the lineup. We're going to put you out in left field. So I, I literally, it was like a Todd Hundley uh, crash course of here, go out and play the outfield. And a lot of people think the outfield's easy. And, and, and I'm telling you, it was so stressful because you're in a wood bat league. The ball slices a certain way. And, and you're playing these games in twilight, like 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, so the, it's not really dark yet. And um, and you're out there trying to catch fly balls, and, and it's not an easy position. But I did it, and I, I sucked it up and did it. But um, my very first pro game was in was in left field, and, and I would have never predicted that because <laughs> I was always an infielder, you know. Yeah, you know, but I, 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 I used I, to like taking walks, though. I, I, I would I would work counts, and that was like my, my thing. I would I, I could see that I could see that. You know what? You jacked a home run too. Yeah, man, that that was amazing. Um, we we played a team and uh, uh, we played a team out of Chillicothe, Ohio, and um, uh, I went I went oppo, and it was a big point in the game. It was a game winner kind of thing, and um, and and I had been doing a lot of work in the batting cages and everything else. And, and, you know, it's, it was just so cool to have one under my belt at least, (laughs) but um, I had, you know, I drove in a lot of runs, but you know, the one thing I didn't learn about this process was that there are a lot of politics in baseball and um, being a New Yorker, uh, you know, our, our games were in West Virginia. Um, There was just, so this is our fourth New York, fourth New Yorker in a row on this show. I told you, I'm just going to do New Yorkers. <laughs> hey, man, I'll tell you, personality, right? Um, but, yeah, we, you know, it was it was bigger than baseball. Like, I, you know, a lot of the reasons why I didn't play longer or, or more was because of things outside of baseball. And, uh, you know, you learn a lot, especially when you're, you're, you're competing at the minor league level. Uh, the, the, the scouts and, and, and so forth in these organizations, they invest a lot of money in their draft picks. And a lot of these draft picks don't pan out because what happens is a lot of these guys have gaudy college stats with a metal bat and they get a wood bat in their hand and all of a sudden they can't hit a baseball. You know, your margin of error really shrinks down. And, um, and these guys aren't as good as, you know, what they, what they were in college. But what happens is, is because they've already invested the money in these players, they will ride them out. They will ride them out dry. Um, in, in, in hopes that they can get some sort of kickback for their investment, as opposed to taking on a player that could be better. Sort of like and, what I'm doing with Byron Buxton in, in Dynasty Leagues? Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's very frustrating because, you you know, you, 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 you see, and I'm not just even saying me, I'm just saying in general, I've seen great ball players not make it. And, and it's because so-and-so has a grandson, you know, so-and-so in the majors has a grandson or a nephew or, or whatever. And, well, look, at the, know, blue, look guys, at the Blue Jays, where I'm from. You got Biggio, you got Bichette, they got Conine, they got they got Clemens' son, they got, I think, one yeah, other one, too. Well, yeah, Vladimir. <laughs> yeah, and some of them are great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they're awesome. They come up in the system. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, when baseball, they used to have 60 rounds or so, 
you know, it was like, you know, Don Mattingly's kid would get drafted and Willie Randolph's kid would get drafted. And, you well, know, Pia- and, and Piazza was like, drafted as a favorite to Lasorda, right? Exactly, exactly. And that was one of the really unusual cases that worked out incredibly, you know, and, and he deserved it. Hey, steroids but, are um, a hell of a hell of a drug. <laughs> yeah i mean you know it, it's uh it's a grind it really is and so when i had that decision to make um it was just such a great opportunity to start a new career and i you know it was, it was tough because i i literally loved it every day showing up at the ballpark at 2 p.m you're leaving at 12 p.m and and you know what my salary was zach i made 625 dollars a month a month that's rough. Um, <laughs> and we got a $50 per diem uh, for a four-day, uh, four three-night road trip. And so we were eating stadium dogs. We were eating Domino's. Like we Did you know Mike DeMuth eating... back then? Could you, like, you, couldn't, you couldn't get him to be your sugar daddy back then? No, man. I wish I did. I would have had him bring me steaks and stuff, you know. But I, uh, back then, I was, I was the second youngest player in the Frontier League. And, um, but we, we – you know, we didn't have time to do much because we were at the ballpark all day. And uh, one of the coolest things that I experienced was I played at the same stadium where they had the League of Their Own movie. Yeah. In in Evansville, Indiana, that movie, A League of Their Own. And they had just finished production and they had all of the, all of the banners from the movie still up there. And so I, I, I always tease and I'm like, hey, I, I drank out of the same water cooler as Tom Hanks. You know, <laughs> so that was pretty cool. They had a train in the outfield and the whole thing. So. But uh, didn't awesome. mean to go on a tangent, but I, it was a good time, man. That's cool. That's really cool. That's why I asked you. So um, in your introduction, I probably left out the most important thing. Um, you're also the agent and publicity rep of Mike <laughs> the Mouth Masato. Um, and you've been trying to negotiate with me for weeks, actually. And you're concerned, uh, you're, you're concerned with his intro music, obviously, like as we were discussing, and you're also just concerned with his merchandising opportunities. And, um, before I get into that, I do have some, uh, a couple really important announcements with, uh, with respect to our podcast, but one of them is tied into the merchandising. Um, and don't let me forget the other announcement afterwards, but that what, um, one of the ones, one's tied into the merchandising. So we talked about this, um, um, Actually, I'll say it first. We got a we got a website coming up, so that's one of the big announcements. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna it's not ready yet, but the, the, the website's um, it's it's happening. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna market on this website um, when we get Mike the mouth hopefully more involved if we can work out some sort of deal. And we got um, we talked about signed muscle milk, tanning lotion, yep. uh, signed bobbleheads, signed talking dolls that never shut mm-hmm. up. Um, like right. he'll, he'll review your draft team for you. He'll do a video shout out if he ever learns how to use technology, uh, but we'll teach him. And then, but, mm-hmm. but John, tell me about, uh, tell me about the moron package. So the moron package is, is a package where, you know, you say, Hey Mike, look, I, I can't get this draft right. You know, and uh, my family here, I'm, I'm investing some money and uh, don't feel good about my drafts. And then, you know, can you explain to my family a little bit about, you know, I'm investing this money, but, but hey, um, you know, can you give me an honest assessment about my draft? And so the moron package for basically for a hundred bucks uh, for a four minute period, Mike, uh, Mike will uh, pretty much tell you off in front of your family. Uh, he'll, he'll give it to you real good for a good four minutes. Um, you get a complimentary kick in the nuts at the end of the four minutes. And then uh, we're going to actually run a promotion through the next week or so. And if you sign up now, 
you'll actually get a second kick for free. <laughs> and, uh, and it's all done in front of your family. And, um, you know, you pretty much what's going to happen is, you know, your family's going to want to leave you at the end of the four minutes. And so, um, you know, he, you know, if for 125, he'll throw in profanity. So, so it just depends on what kind of package you want. Depends you know? what you want to expose your family to. Now, um, is there any limit to the number of family members you can bring on this experience? Well, you know, like I mean, family, you know, like we you don't want to bring want your people. cousins and you want to bring your cousin Vinny and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, you we don't want to bring your grandma, uh, grandmother. Yeah. You, you know, bring grandma. Absolutely. You know, I mean, and, and, and you know, we have a disclaimer, you know, beforehand uh, that, you know, Hey, there might be some profanity, you know, there might, you know, you never know what Mike, you never know what he's going to say. Uh, but I can guarantee you the review is always going to be negative and uh, the kicks are going to be swift. And uh, at the end of the day, he's probably going to find something else to kind of throw in there. He's always a wild card, you know. Yeah, he might so, he might talk about their appearance, you know. Yeah, he might could, talk it, about it could come something un, like something unbaseball related and unfantasy. It, oh, yeah. it's going to definitely become unbaseball related. Like it's going to start about your team, but then most likely it's going to trail off into something very like hurtful. Oh yeah, he's going to go into bicep size, quad size. You know, he's going to rip somebody about their abs. I mean, he's going to break them down mentally and physically. And that is not even fantasy related. I mean, the the, the last minute is just personal abuse. And uh, the first three minutes is going to be about your team, which I guarantee is going to be negative because only Mike drafts good teams. And, and that's what we need to understand is, you know, he's the only one that drafts good teams, right? Right. But, the, but so, so the last minute is going to be a personal attack. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's where, that's where it's going to hurt a little bit. You're going to have to kind of, you're going to have to kind of toughen up. And the, and the good thing about this is if you actually have drafted anyone that you know that he's also drafted, it's mm-hmm. going to spin it negatively and tell you that you're drafting with morons and, 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 and work it that way. So you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry if you were concerned about that. Oh yeah. No, no. I mean, only Mike makes good picks, you know, like, you know, Mike can draft Noah Syndergaard. And it's a great pick, and you could draft Noah Syndergaard, and it's a terrible pick. That's that's you know, what this, that's you, what this you, is all about. You need to know that going in. I mean, that's just how Mike works, and uh, you know, Mike Mike plays head games. You know, he tries to get in your head, and uh, you know, there's a funny thing about Mike, honestly, and this is seriously, he's genuinely a really good guy, and I, I love busting his busting his chops. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I see a lot of similarities. Um, I'm, we're both Italian. Uh, I grew up watching wrestling, and I love promos and, and Ric Flair and all that, and um, <laughs> uh, you know, talking trash and all that stuff. And well, uh, was really into bodybuilding and and so forth. And so, you know, it, it, I see a lot of similarities there. And um, you know, he's good for the industry because he is uh, passionate about baseball and he's passionate about putting on good contests. And he does a really good job. I have to give him credit. And, you know, we all give him a hard time because that's part of it, right? We're all team, you know, camaraderie, family, the whole thing. Um, but he, he does, he does, um, he is trying to create a brand for himself. And, um, you know, my, my client's looking to grow in that brand. And, uh, you know, it, it's, um, it's something, you know, we've got, we've got shake weights uh, available for Psych Signature. We've got, bobbleheads we we're going to do everything we can at this next live event to increase his exposure yeah like i even i even said that we're going to get him to sign uh powdered muscle milk but not the container the actual powder so i don't know how he's going to do that he's going to have to keep those powders um together somehow that will that will still show the signature but 
yeah, on the powder. Yeah, I think we're going to do like an Etch-A-Sketch thing with powder, you know, the protein oh, powder. Yeah, yeah, you know, okay. We can do something like that. Perfect, perfect. That'll be 25 bucks, you know, 25 bucks. But I expect them to make a lot of money. I think people are going to be lining up out the door, you know, for some of this stuff. And, you know, I don't know if we could swing it, but even draft chairs, you know, even though we don't own them, you know, maybe there's a way we could figure that out and uh, work in uh, a broker deal with the hotel. We could sign draft chairs and draft cards. I yeah. mean, we're, we're going to work it out. That's, I mean, that's, that's we've good. got a lot of plans. You know what? People are literally beating down the door to get uh, their mouth back on this show. I've been getting so much, so much positive feedback. Actually, it's nuts. Um, like um, um, he was actually, like he actually teased it when he was first on. And like, this is one of the reasons why people are banging down the door to get him back. And he's saying like, I had all these crazy stories from back in the day um, yeah. that may have landed him in prison, like on the first episode. And I might tell him like, <laughs> and like, Tell me, John, is that how he got his nickname, Mike DeMouth, in prison? <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, you know, my client, uh, you know, the thing is, is, is my client has great lawyers, great attorneys, and uh, has never really had to do time, you know. And so, uh, you know, his, his um, uh, Stephen Jupica, I believe, gave him that nickname, uh, Mike DeMouth, because, you know, we had a poker, there was a poker player named Mike DeMouth. And, if you go on the message boards and you go into history, you'll see Mike. He's, he is in all caps. He's not afraid to call out, you know, whoever, including NBC, NFBC uh, uh, authority. And, um, you know, his heart's always in the right place, but he, he'll come across as a bull in the China shop sometimes, you know. And But the thing is, is everyone knows what it is, right? I mean, everyone is like, all right, that's Mike, you know. Um, but, but genuinely, if you go to hit any of his uh, events, you know, he does a uh, – a midnight man, a midnight party um, with an online draft, and he will rent out. You know, we have a Bellagio suite that the NFPC helps us with, and he'll have cigars there, and we do a draft, and then we'll have. He has his um, his ultimate um, league in New York, and so you know he tries to do things to promote the business, but you know, with 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 Mike, it's just you got to just kind of step back and let him just talk and do his thing because he's going to do it anyway. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, and, you know, the live that, events sound awesome. You were saying a bit, you were saying a bit about them before we started recording. That's like I really want to get yeah. down there. Like the those NFBC live events. It's just I'm gonna have fewer missing out on them. Like I I want to meet everyone. Like you said, it sounds like such a good group of guys that just are just like us. It it changes the whole game for you, man. When when you go to these live events, you're like, wow, you know. I mean, because this is a this is a hobby that not everyone fully understands. I mean, I know fantasy is a billion dollar industry, but um, this is a hobby that we take very seriously. And I've met so many people throughout the country and I've made wonderful friends uh, through the NFBC and the NFFC too, the football. And, um, but when you go to these events and you see, you've got all of these, these rooms full of people that have the same passion for fantasy sports like you do. And then you start meeting them and you just start talking shop with them. And, and it be just, it's just a, such a camaraderie with this group that you will, you will see it from a whole different perspective. Cause you know, online, everybody likes to do online, but when you go and you actually go to these events and meet people and talk to people, it's going to blow you away, Zach. And I, 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 I truly recommend it to anybody who's listening to this and who hasn't been to one is get to them. You don't have to spend a lot of money if you don't want to, but just go and, and just see it. And then, you know, I started out low and then I worked my way up. Can you do a live event that's not a main? Yeah, you could do. They have the they have a live event that started at 750. 
Um, and and for these are the live online championships, twelve team leagues, and yeah. and you can get in. And believe it or not, they used to. This is going back to two thousand. I want to say nine when I first started with the NFBC. They had three hundred and fifty dollar tournaments uh, for the online championship, and that's how I started. I played a couple of those. I played an auction, and then each year, I've literally each year I've contributed more. I've invested more into. Uh, you've done well. You've done, you've done well. You've been able to reinvest your money. Yeah, I've been able to reinvest my money and 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 take on bigger contests. And um, but the first year, you know, when I saw everything going on, this is this is going back to 2009. I mean, it was a different thing. It was a different ball game when you went to the when you went to these live events, man. And it was like, hey, you know what? This is a brotherhood. You know, everyone knows everybody. And literally over the last 11 years, I've my closest friends are my NFBC and NFFC brothers. You know. Um, and we, we still keep in touch on Twitter and you'll see, I joke, I like to joke around a lot with the guys and that's just part of the banter, but, um, um, it's, it's really, it's really a community that, that we're a part of. I feel it. So let's, um, let's move on into, uh, the actual potatoes of this podcast and, uh, talk about some fantasy baseball stuff. But before we go ahead and do that, I just want to get, get the other announcement out of the way. I talked about the website. We actually, uh, um, have a, have a, uh, another co-host joining the Draft Champions uh, podcast. And I'm going to leave it a surprise right now, but uh, that will be announced soon. So we have a third, we have a third person that's going to help out and do it. And, and uh, he's going to, uh, he's going to be intertwined with the website as well. So he's going to do a lot of good things, but we'll wait to announce it uh, another time. Maybe we'll have him, we'll announce it when he comes on for the first time, but he's not, he's, he's going to be on probably the next episode. Um Next thing was, um, you know what? I I didn't even uh, introduce myself or the podcast on Twitter. Um, Draft Champagne. You can follow it on on Twitter. And everyone on these podcasts always talks about give us a five star review. You can, and you know what? I can read some of them. But I'm looking. I actually didn't wasn't able to find them on my phone. But for some reason, I can find them on when I pull it up on the internet. If you search Apple, so I'm re- I'm just reading the reviews for the first time. And um, I'm, I'll just read the bad ones. Actually, we don't we don't get all five star reviews. We actually got a two star review. Um, so I'll read that. I'll read, I'll read out. So please give us five star reviews, but we'll read out the bad ones. So if you give us a five star review, we're not going to read it. We'll only read the bad ones. So this one, this guy gave me two stars. He said, good idea, but could use more experience driving the bus. Lots of bumbling. So that's probably talking about me. So, okay. That's, he gave us two stars. So thank you. I actually know who that is. And he's actually a decent, he's a good guy, but (laughs) moving on. Um, well, that's how you get better, right? I mean, you get feedback, and you know what? And it, was, it wasn't. It wasn't not true. You know, it, it was. You know what? It wasn't untrue in the first couple of episodes. You know what? I think I've gotten. I think yeah. I've gotten better too. Um, okay, let's let's move on. And the first thing I want to talk about is the potential trade of Mookie Betts and uh, um, and other play, other big name players, and how yep. how that might impact everyone else. Because this is why I like to draft early. I want to draft early because I can. I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to see if I can predict. Um, uh, the the stock value of these players right get ahead of it and one thing with the Mookie Betts trade and I, I was listening to MLB Network uh, yesterday and I was Ken Rosenthal was on there and they asked him they were talking about Mookie Betts Chris Bryant Francisco Lindor and Nolan Arenado and what are their chances that they're going to be traded and Ken Rosenthal said that Mookie Betts he feels is likely going to be traded I'm thinking I've heard the, the Dodgers and the Padres I'm hoping he gets traded to the Dodgers um, 
But I'm thinking I don't really care about Mookie Betts. Yeah, like it kind of it would kind of suck for him a little bit if he got straight into the Padres. I think that's a bit of a downgrade for him. But forget about Betts. He's still going to be drafted in the first round regardless. Like I'm not looking to split hairs or waste my time really analyzing that too much. But what could be the fallout um, on either of those teams? And I'm thinking that anything that happens, uh, and I'm just I'm sort of realizing this today, is going to mm-hmm. be good for Gavin Lux. Because whatever the Dodgers do, they're not gonna, I don't think they're going to trade Gavin Lux in that trade. Mm-hmm. Actually, there's virtually zero chance they would do that for one year of control. I agree. Yeah. Um, but what do you think the impact could be on sort of the peripheral peripheral players that could have a stock up or stock down on either the, 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 the Red Sox or, I guess, Dodgers or Padres? Well, the first thing that, that jumped out to me, I said, man, Chris Bryant in Fenway Park, you know, I'm like, holy smokes! That you know, that could be a huge, Chris Bryant. a huge bump. Well, is is did, did you say bets for 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 Bryant? Did I no, that no, right? no, no, no. The like the, those are just the four players that could be traded to other teams. Oh, my bad, my bad. Yeah. Okay, I so, I thought I thought that's so the, 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 no problem. The the rumor is bets to either the Dodgers or the Padres. That's that's those are the gotcha. two names that are sort of in the mix. So I'm thinking like if if Mookie Betts get traded gets traded to the Dodgers, the Dodgers can move someone like like Jock Peterson or AJ Pollock to, to clear up room um, for, right. for Gavin Lux, even though he's penciled in at second base. So I guess the only, I guess the threat there would be that Muncie moves to second and then they, they start, they, they can, they have a number of options that can, they can play first base such as Jock Peterson or, or Bellinger, which I don't think is going to happen. I think he's basically there at second base, but I'm thinking more along the lines of, okay, let's say Betts gets traded, like as examples, he gets traded to the Padres. What happens to that outfield? They have Tommy Pham. They have Tommy Pham. They just traded right. for um, the guy from the Brewers. Um, forget his name right now. Luis Urias. Yeah. Urias. Urias went to the Brewers, but then the Went Pod- to the Brewers. Yeah, Padres, they traded Urias from the Brewers. Yeah, they, they got an outfielder. I forget his name right now. It's tra- um, start the T, but whatever. So what do you think, what do you think some of the follow could be? Like if you're trying to get ahead of these drafts and uh, – and look at these trades, like any of the trades, like doesn't, yeah. doesn't even have to be one of the ones, one of the ones we, one of the things we talked about. Um, like for um, another, another item, another thought would be that if Chris Bryant is traded off of the Cubs, you, you could see an uptick in Ian Happ's playing time and, or David Boat. Um, so right. David Boat, somebody that's going pretty late that if Chris Bryant, if Chris Bryant's removed from that team and not backfield with somebody that can play third, I guess, that could you could see him moving up fifty spots in the, those NFBC drafts at least. Yeah, I did see I did see Chris Bryant for Arenado rumors too, which was pretty interesting. But I heard about that you know, too. The one, yeah, the one the one big thing is uh, you know Mookie Betts has been moving uh, back in the drafts. Um, I've done a couple recently, and I've been getting him at eight. And and I'm I'm you know I can just reveal it, but I've been using eight as my my KDS setting, to be honest with you. As your, fir- as your first option? As my first option. I've been using eight and seven because, you know, the reason is, is I'm going to either get Betts or Lindor in most, in most cases. Um, I'm not a big fan. I've never been a big fan of going pitching uh, that early. I, I have done it, but I am not a big fan of it. Neither but, you know, I. some of these, I think the one, the, the one big thing about these players that you're mentioning is, you know, the Arenados and the Betts and these guys – you know, the skill sets are there. The skill sets don't change. And and I know that the Colorado Rockies ballpark, the guys are, they have these gaudy stats and everything else. But, you know, Mookie Betts, 
Mookie Betts has an 84% contact contact rate. He is a stud. He's got speed. He's going to perform well anywhere. And I think people sometimes get caught up in 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 the worry, right? They're like, oh my gosh. And you see an hour two with Altuve and Bregman. You know, these are great players. And and uh, you know they you know they try to get an edge like like in the Astros situation. But regardless of where they go, these guys get the skill set doesn't change. There's, you know, the, the way they, the way they hit and the way they, they play and their eye and their, and their uh, contact rate, it, nothing changes because that is just between them and the pitching. Um, and I think what happens is, is you see, you start to see this fall, right? And I've seen Betts and Arenado both fall to me. Um, I've had the eight and I've gotten both of those guys in my last two drafts. I've got, I've got Betts at eight and I got Arenado on the, on the, on the kickback. Yeah, and wow. I'm all about it. I'm like, hey, if you're going to give them to me, I'll I'll gladly take it, you know. Because I mean, Arenado in in Chicago, if he went to the Cubs or anywhere else, I mean, he's still going to be a major producer. Now, do you feel it's important that if you do that, you get a pitcher in the next round, or do you, or uh, how how long how long are you comfortable waiting on pitching? You know, believe it or not, I'm very comfortable waiting on pitching. Um, and 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 so, what you tell me about your pl- tell me about your strategy? Um, yeah, with respect to pitching, then. Yeah, so you know, I I wait I wait on pitching usually. Um, you know, some folks don't agree with that. They they want to get somebody. Now I've, you know, if I get a someone like Strasburg in the third round that falls to me, I might take it. But you've got some guys that really fall. You know, you've got you've got guys like Jose Barrios who falls in the fifth round, right? Now the Twins lineup is ridiculous. I mean, Jose Barrios could win twenty games this year with that lineup man and 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 the guy is a great pitcher as far as control goes and everything else he's a mature pitcher um he's a, he he's solid in the fifth you've got uh Luis Severino who a lot of folks are scared about because of the injury but you know this is a 200k guy playing for the Yankees he's got a great shot to win a lot of you know a lot of games um how about Ryu you know the uh, you know who who went to Toronto he's you know 10th round this guy's going 10th round in he 15 went, teams. Yo, he went in yeah. one of my uh, Rotowire championships. He, he went yeah. pick 180 after 180. Yeah. And, and this is 15 rounds I'm talking about. Like Barrios in the fifth and at a 15 round. You know, you've got um, um, uh, Ryu in the 10th round of a 15 team round. I mean, that's, you know, you can get, you can get value there. And, and I'll give you another guy who I think is going to be really something is uh, Lamette out of San Diego. He's going in the eighth round on a 15 teamer. And um, this guy is just explosive. And uh, San Diego is a lot of people. Yes, only thing he's getting a lot of hype. He is. He's going to be a riser. He's going to be a riser. I think. I think you're going to see him, uh, Juan Soto, Bobachet. You're going to see these guys start to rise because uh, they're falling a little bit. I think later than than right now. But I think you're going to see closer to draft time. Those guys are going to be moving up. Um, But I'll give you another one. German Marquez. Uh, from Colorado, uh, going in the 11th round of the 15-teamer. I mean, this guy's a 200K guy, and he had a bad year last um, year. What about Fulte? It's funny you mention that. 13th round in the 15-teamer, you know, Fulton Avich is is, and it's funny, I had this banter with uh, Vlad Sedler, um, you know, and and I even got Volte in a a 15th round one time. And um, this is a guy who is who has had a season and, and I like to look at guys who have, have produced and the guys who have had, uh, tr- you know, cause data doesn't lie, right. Numbers don't lie. 
I like to have guys who have done it, who've done it before. And, and sometimes it's just an adjustment, right? You know, you know, everyone has ebbs and flows. It's very rare to get a guy who's consistently great every year. And so, um, you know, I, I, I am a believer that some folks can make adjustments and get back to that greatness. The only thing that would damper that is age. And so, you know, I, like, you know, you get into a situation where guys get older, you know, and I'll bring up a guy, Charlie Morton, you know, Charlie Morton was, was phenomenal last year, but he's getting way up there now. And, yeah, and 30, I don't know. He's 36. Yeah. He's 36. And you get to a point where you're like, you know, at some point it's got to break at some point, you know, Nelson Cruz is another one, <clears throat> some of these older guys. And you're saying, well, you know, some point it's got to break. And, um, I'm, I'm off on guys like, like Morton. Um, I, I, but, but the, the, the thing with the NFBC is guys get sexy real quick. Like your Tyler glass nows, right. Who's got a phenomenal arm, a lot of promise. He really hasn't done much on a large scale, but the guy's being drafted in the fourth round of a 15 teamer. And that's what really Glasnow? low. Yeah. Glasnow. Yeah. And he, and, and he's got a great arm and he might be fantastic, but he's got an injury history. He's got poor health, and he he's uh, he's never really put together a, a long season. And um, but he's going in the fourth round. Um, so you know that's a, that's a guy that I'm you know that I'm off. I, I like to have guys that have done it before. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think I think what you're saying about uh, the Mortons and the and the Cruises are uh, it's baked into their price in these NFBC drafts. And mm-hmm. um, I think people are looking and people are looking at the stats like Cruises stats are like they're. They're like, okay, he's going into what the sixth or seventh round? I think the seventh round. Um, yeah, seen, yeah, six and seven. Yeah, like you're getting like second, third round value from a seventh rounder. But like the whole thing is like, when's it going to fall off? I don't know. I don't have any Nelson Cruz yet. Um, I don't think yeah, me I, neither. I, I don't think I will just because just the skill set that he offers. I'm probably usually looking for other things around that time. And, and yeah, like you, you, you worry. You worry about how old he is. He's 39. I think he's he's going to be 40 in the middle of this year. Well, I'll throw a couple of other guys out at you, if you don't mind. I mean, yeah, you this, is what, I, this is what I want. Yeah, Matt Boyd, 12th round of a 15 team. I mean, Matt Boyd, 238 strikeouts last year. I know he plays for the Tigers, but his he's he had a phenomenal year last year, and it, it doesn't get talked about a whole lot. But when you're talking about their, you know, 12th round, you know, you can get a guy that's a 200k guy. You might you might give up wins, but that's a solid every week starter. Um, Luke Weber, a lot of folks forgot about Luke Weber because he got hurt. You know, he's in Arizona. This is a, this is a guy going in 12th round of 15 teamers. He's got the skill set. He's got the pedigree. And, um, you know, a lot of folks are, you know, they, they're, they're letting him drop. And, and the Diamondbacks have made some moves. You know, they're trying to find a winning club. Um, you know, he's a guy too. And now you got Madison Bumgarner there who can mentor him. You know, he might he might be able to to show great value in that twelfth round. You like Galen Galen on the Diamondbacks as well. You know, I don't have any shares of Galen. I I think he's a great young arm, but I and this is just a personal preference for me. I I tend to Major League Baseball these days is very careful about the workload, and um, and my concern with Zach Gallen is workload. Um, I don't know, you know, with some of these young arms, they're so scared to have these guys go out there and throw, you know, they can barely get a hundred pitches a game. Um, you know, long gone are the days of, you know, very few pitchers are going to do 120, 130 pitches a game. 
Um, so these guys, their arms, are, they, they're very careful. And, you know, when you get towards the end of the year, they start shutting these guys down a little bit and uh, really just like oversensitive about their arms. And so, you know, I, I tend to look at, all right, has a guy thrown 108 innings, 109 innings, I would rather have a German Marquez who's done that, you know, who's, who's, who's had that, or a Matthew Boyd who's had that, as opposed to a Zach Gallen who's, is an unproven and, and might get, you know, might get baby by his organization at the end of the year. Yeah. Well, what about Lamette? That sort of goes against what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. You're on Lamette, but you've given reasons to be off him. So back yourself so up. The, the thing with Lamette is his, his K and his dominance is so amazing. It's, it's incredible that, you know, Lamette could do 130 innings and get you 180 Ks. Yeah. You know, and so, so for that's, him, that's, yeah, I agree. That's, and that's, that's the, that's the counterpoint. Yeah. So for him, it's kind of different because you can get, the, you can get the same value in less innings. Now, granted, I mean, you know, the win total may not be there at the end of the year, but you know, he's going to give you uh dominance, you know, and you know, most, most of the time, especially in that ballpark, um, you know, it, it helps him. And, and the Padres are really trying to win now. Um, they're, they're really trying to invest money in people. And so when, you, and, when, you, when you do um, three hitters to start off your draft and then you're talking about getting some of these pitchers, do you tend to um, uh, just play a numbers game and get more of them? You just try and like, how do you, how do you compensate for not getting the ace or do you feel like you don't need to? Um, basically I'm asking, do you need to get a lot of these type of the guys that you just mentioned? What, what I'll do is, is, is for me, it's about the value at the point of the, the, the pick. So so if I got if I'm in the fourth round and I see a pitch I see pitchers on the board that I'm not crazy about, I'll go hit her again. And I'll go hit her again in the fifth and in the sixth. And and it just depends on what falls to you. And you know, I did a draft the other day and you know, I ended up with uh you know, I waited and I ended up with like Severino, Berrios, Sonny Gray. You know, there were a couple guys that drop that you can get your hands on. And I, I don't I don't stress about pitching. I, I wait and see who's available and I say, okay, if it makes sense, great. But if it's a guy that I have to take a round early, I won't do it. I'll just I'll take the hitter and I'll figure it out. You know, especially in a fab league, you know, you can you can try and yeah, work that out. Fab yeah, fab is di- okay. I, I is different. Uh, my question my question is sort is targeted um, at the draft champions, the fifty round. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't clarify that. So let's say like here, you give me an example. Let's say you, you draft um your first pitcher uh, is Jose Barrios in round five. Yep. And you know yep. pitchers sort of run out of um, anything useful by pick four hundred, right? So yep. let's yep. even let's even go down to three hundred where you're gonna get your say your Dylan Bundy type guys, your Aaron Savali yep. type type players. Tehran, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In your draft and hold, if you start with Barrios, how many starting pitchers are too few that you're gonna to be too that you're gonna be very concerned when you get to when you get to the pick three hundred? Like how many of them you do need, you want? Assuming you you're gonna have Yeah. You're assuming you're gonna have you at least two relievers. To, yeah. So what I do is um you know typically I get two solid relievers typically or I get one solid reliever and then I'll get a couple of guys who are set up guys later in the drafts that could become relievers. And the reason being is I don't never, I never want to win the saves category. I just, cause the, the, you know, for me to focus on that one category isn't productive. I would rather be in the, in the mid to lower tier, not last, but somewhere in the, in the four to five point range. And, and, and it's just because you just, you know, I, I get the value of saves, but 
you know, when, when you can draft guys that can contribute to the other categories, it's just so much more impactful. So what I'll do is I'll, I might grab a solid closer, but I won't wait. I'll wait on closers until like round eight or nine, because you're going to get guys like Ken Giles, Kenley Jansen, Will Smith, and those guys are going to run, you know, those are, those are good closers for good teams um, late. And, and, and I've never been a big fan of going after the early closes in the fifth round, like the haters and the, and the, um, and the Chapmans and, and the Kirby Yates. I usually wait back. And so what I'll do though, is I'll draft about 18 to 22 pitchers total, but um, the vast majority are going to be starters. And I'll sprinkle in a couple of key setup men like Blake Trinan um, in, in Dodgers or Luke Jackson. So if I draft Will Smith, I'll get Luke Jackson on the back end. Or if I draft Kenley Jansen, I'll get Blake Trinan. You know what I mean? You try to ma- you so, try to you try to match up the players on the same team, like sort of like what me and yes. John L were talking about, like sort of a monop- monop- monopoly board. You want to get all of the yellows, so you want to get like uh, you want to get all of the players. Like if you want to get you get Brad Hand, you want Karinchuk, you want Clays. Yeah, so it's like football, right? You got to have a handcuff. You're you're starting running back. You never want to, you know, if you lose your starter, you want to have backup. And so what I what I'll do is is I'll say, okay, you know what? I'll have the Atlanta Braves closing uh, closing system or the Dodgers closing system. And that might be, like I said, Jansen and Trinan or, or Smith and Jackson. And I'll say, okay, I know I've got that locked up. And then everything else is gravy. So, uh, you know, I might draft the lower end closers, maybe, um, uh, you know, I'm not a big column a fan, but maybe uh, a Kennedy or Daniel Hudson is another great, a great guy, you know, who's going after. He's going to he's gonna rise. I think he's going to rise up a lot. He's still, yeah. People are still using that ADP right now, but he should be yep. up there. Yep. Um, you know, you got guys like Ryan Stanek with Miami, you know, that you could throw a dart at. You know, you got some guys that you could throw darts at that they have a great skill set and they can they can be closers in this league. And so, they just need so, an opportunity. Um, notwithstanding who you drafted in the early rounds, do you have any um any closers that are going post round thirty that you are like not sorry, not closers, but relievers that you think like that that um will eventually win the job? Boy, that's a good question. Um, I, I tend to look at some basically. Of these, I'm asking you this for sleepers, like relief pitcher sleepers, yeah. for, in layman's terms. Yeah, I mean, I like to look at the clubs that have the weakest bullpens. Um, I'll give you a guy, Pedro Strope, uh, Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, you know, Rysel Iglesias has had a good career, but um, you know, I don't know, I don't know about his grip on that bullpen, and and they just signed Strope, and Strope's been a guy who's closed before. And um, I like to look at guys that have closed before that are in setup roles that could have that opportunity. Uh, I'll tell you a guy, he's not, he's not after 30, but like Archie Bradley, um, you know, he, he's there. Um, uh, Ian Kennedy is going real late in drafts and, and, and he's, he's the Royals closer. But um, you know, what I tend to do with, with, with later rounds is I'll look at the worst bullpens and I'll say, all right, who can possibly close for these clubs? Right. And, you know, who's got the best skill set that, you know, that right now they're not being viewed as the closer. Maybe it's because of inexperience or whatnot, but they will get – their skills are going to play well regardless of where they are in the rotation. Well, those guys like Kennedy, Kennedy's still going in the top 200. But like, like you're saying, like maybe Tony Watson on the Giants is somebody who's going way later on a kind of – Yeah. Kind of crowd yeah. Crowd. You know, there's, there, there's guys with big arms and some of these bullpens that, that, are, that may get opportunities. And, you know, the hard part about saves is it's so frustrating because 
it doesn't take much for a lot of these closures unless you have like some real key ones like a Chapman or something. It's just these guys, if they blow two saves in a row, they're gone. Right. Is, and, is your strategy and, on closers like you're saying, okay, I'm comfortable getting one and then I'll and I'll and I'll try to aim for four or five points in the category. Does that get thrown out the window if there's an overall component to the prize pool? No, because I honestly think you do need points and saves, especially if you're in an overall contest. You, you know, you need you need to you need to produce points and saves. It's it's very hard to punt a category. So so, you, so it does get thrown it does get thrown out the window that strategy to just not really focus on getting your points and saves. Yeah, no, you need to get them. You need to get them so, now. So, so what I'll do so is, is so you'd want to get at least two um, presumed closers if you're in a in an NF like a DC with where, where there's an overall prize. Correct. And the key to the closers is getting ahead of the run because every single draft has a closer run. And, and, and depending on where you are, especially if you're on the turn, whether that be at the front of the draft or the back of the draft, you could literally have 30 spots ahead of you and you could lose like 10 closers. And you have to be really careful and strategic about how you draft closers. Um, I've, seen, I've seen runs where it, you know, closers get decimated if you're on the back end or the front end of a draft and you're left with nothing and that, that screws up your draft. Cause now you're really going to have to take your fab money and rely on. And, and that's the one good thing about fab is you can, you can always get closers in fab. Right. But in your draft, it, it will set you back. If, if you miss that closer run and you end up, you know, taking on, you have to waste a good pick on like the same in any, any Kennedy or something like that, where you could have gotten a better hitter. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I got a question for you. So I've done a couple um, Rotowire championships, which is basically your your fab leagues, um, mm-hmm. and and doing them this early, you don't really know um, a lot of the a lot of the positional battles, including closers. So I've done mm-hmm. I've done two things, and tell me if you agree or, or disagree or um, have your own strategy in terms of speculating on these last couple picks. Um, sure. In both the leagues, I've gotten Mackenzie Gore because I'm thinking. If he is in spring training and there's a likelihood that he's going to be called up, um, he's going to be really, really expensive to get in fab once the first fab uh, runs in a couple of months. The other thing, the right. other thing I did in the first draft was I just got all the, I got, um, um, this was um, right when, um, right when the Washington situation uh, for closers was uh, getting settled. I'm just, from just blanking on the guy's name we were just talking about. Um, Hudson, Hudson. So I, I picked, I, I, I took, um, I did this. I, this is one of the first Rotowire drafts. I took uh, Keone Kella uh, as my third closer, and I took uh, Giovanni Gallegos as my fourth closer. Uh, both of them are uh, by by no means of it, had secured jobs uh, at that point. Carlos Martinez had not announced that he wanted to be a starter, and there was no talk of that. And then I got Daniel Hudson as my fifth potential closer. So I, mm-hmm. I was thinking when when March comes around and, and waivers run, then there's going to be obviously closer situations that are going to unfold from between now and then those are going to be your expensive players to acquire in fab players like your McKenzie or players like your Spencer Howard, any of those prospects that, that pull a paddock or a Tatis in March, it's going to cost you a boatload of money later. So I'd rather, I'd rather go high upside on these fab leagues and get those players that are going to break the bank in March rather than getting a guy like, I don't know, Ian Happ, because even if Ian Happ, yeah, like is falls into more playing time. He's not going to be as expensive to get as a McKenzie Gore or a, a player that's on top of a, uh, of the depth chart to get saves. What do you think about that? 
Well, that that's the risk of drafting early, right? And that's that could be the risk reward. Right. You know, risk reward is a topic. You know, is, it's it's a phrase everybody uses. But you know, with Mackenzie Gore, it's just a matter of the role that he's in. He's got an incredible arm and a great future. And you know, for him, it's just what you know. Where does he sit in that? You know, is he is he a starter, or a reliever? You know, and and to your point, you know, you've got guys like Hudson's closed for the for the Nationals, and he's a right-hander, um, and and the teams typically shy away from left-handed closers, um, especially if they find that they don't have a strong enough left-handed uh, bullpen core to to get outs. And so so I think I think your logic is is fair because it's. You're trying to get ahead of Fab, but the key the key is is I would be scared, you know, if if you can do it in the later rounds where you've already got your team established and you're just throwing darts at that point, I think it's great. But you just want to be careful and not to overthink it and 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 that you know your 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 primary bench players or you know your starters are impacted by that 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 logic because you want to, you know that that's that's kind of the thing that I talk about is you know people get caught up with sexy. And people get caught up with overthinking a little bit. And, you know, when these, in these drafts, these preliminary drafts, you want to draft on skill set because the skills will win out. The cream rises to the top. And to your point, Gallegos and Hudson, you know, they got the skills. And it's a great dart throw because they, they could legitimately be closers. Um, I try not to get involved in the news because the skills win out. And so um, I, I think it's a fair logic. Uh, and I think your, your Chris Paddock point is a, is a great point. Cool. Yeah. And another thing to know is that these are 12 teamers. So I guess it would be different if there's a 15 team league with Fab, but they're 12 teamers. So you're going to have people like the, the, the paddock and Gore comp is, is um, maybe a little bit of um, something that you can stomach a little bit more because you're going yeah. to have a, a, a more robust set of players on waivers. And when the draft is over and you've taken Mackenzie Gore, you, you have comfort knowing that you got like a Dylan Cease on waivers or you got, Someone, right. somewhere, someone that's being drafted around pick three hundred. Um, so, um, but I'll give I'll give you an example though. Like you've got Gla- you got Tyler Glass now going fourth round, right? And these right. teamers, you've got Ronaldo Lopez going twentieth round, and you know Ronaldo Lopez throws ninety six miles an hour. He's got pedigree. Um, I know that his ERA is a little high, and he walks some folks, but. He has had some stellar double digits strikeout games, and it's a matter of time before that guy puts it together. But to put 16 rounds between those guys, that you know, for me, I'm like, you know what, I'm okay. I'm okay with taking Lopez in the 20s. You know what I mean? So you're about the relative value. The price is right. That's 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 what yeah. you're that's what you that's what you're thinking throughout most of the draft. You, you yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, absolutely. So you're not going to be reaching. You're not going to be reaching on anyone um, that you have that, that you don't think. It, um, will uh, return the value of that round, did, like yep. regardless of if you need that position. Yeah, because you know the thing is, is 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 points, and and so you would rather get a hitter and have higher, you know, you increase your hitting points, and then try and figure out whether it be through Fab or through through your late game or your end game, as they call it, uh, drafting, to find a diamond in the rough that can help you. But it, it's painstaking, and some guys get caught in this web. It's a web. You get caught having to, you know, force a pick that you don't want to make. And that's sometimes closers. It's sometimes catchers. You know, it, it's, it, it, it's sometimes the tiers, right? So, you know, I'll give you an example. You know, you get to a guy like Eduardo Escobar, or, or I'll give you another one, Brandon Lowe, who's going 14th round. 
out of Tampa, um, there's a big drop off at some point. And you're like, okay, do I, do I go position scarcity and, and take this guy, even though he's around early or do I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or do I take the best player on the board? And, 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 and that's the balance of the draft. You're trying to not get caught to where you're forced to make these kind of moves that you can make, you can make moves and then adjust and say, okay, you know what? Okay. I, I recognize that I can get this guy in the 12th round. So in the eighth round, I'm going to go this way. Um, so yeah, it's a constant chess game. Yeah. I hear you on that. That's, that's a good point. But you know, there's some end guys, you know, there's some end guys in the late rounds, you know, that's what, that's what, I, want, that's what I was going to be my next question for late. late yeah. I, want, I wanted to talk. One, one of the last thing I want to talk about is um, in DC. So the 50 rounders, who are your late round sleepers? Um, I've talked about a couple and we've had people on talking, talking about a couple of the, the real late round, they call them dart throws. Just, um, do, you have a yeah. couple, do you have a couple names for everyone that's listening? Yeah, man, absolutely. I'll tell you, a guy that I love is Harrison Bader. Um, he's currently going in the 29th round of 15-teamers. And uh, this kid's got wheels. Um, came out of the University of Florida. Um, he's drafted, I believe, third round. But he's finally going to get a shot at, at full-time at-bats. And when you got a guy that can run like that and he's got a little bit of pop, uh, I think 29th round's incredibly, you know, that's a high value. Now, I hate to use the word value sometimes, but I, I really like that. I was all um, I was all over him last year. It didn't pan out well, but yeah, yeah. definitely like the the word value definitely works there. <laughs> and what happens is, you know, guys fall off those kind of guys, right? Because they've gotten burned, or you know, they see it. And so at some point, at some point, when you have the skill set, it's going to come together. And but unfortunately, you might have to. It might be a couple of years of pain before you get to that point. But I think at some point, you know, it comes comes together. I, I'm going to give you another guy that that just keeps falling, and that's Clint Frazier. Uh, Clint Frazier is, has been a guy who hasn't been able to find full-time playing time. But the thing with the Yankees is, is they're so loaded. They've got Miguel Andohar, Luke Boyd, Clint Frazier. They got a, they've got some log jams, right, for playing time. For sure. At some point, they're either going to trade Clint Frazier or he's going to play. And, and, you know, to get him um, in, you know, it, it, you know, late, in the late rounds, um, it's a great dart throw, in my opinion, because he's got the type of skill set that can be productive, and he could be a starting player. He just needs the playing time, right? Yeah. So, um, so you, you know, it's a great risk early to take a guy like that. And to your point about your closers, you know, your setup guys, same thing. That's a guy that falls in the same category. You know, he could fall into that. Um, the other guys is Chris Davis, 13th round in the 15-teamer. Um, he had a wrist injury. He had an injury that, that hampered his ability to, to, to hit last year. And this is a 40-home-run guy, right? And consistently yeah. back 247, but he's a 40-home-run guy. And uh, he's going to come in fully healthy. And I think folks are going to be off him because of that injury. Not because of the injury, because they think the skill set's declining. And, I was always uh, off him because, of his, because I never wanted to take him as early as he was going before. Well, and he's a utility player, too. So that kind of hampers your, your utility spot, you know, too. And, uh, but, but this is, this is a guy, you know, and I love that Oakland lineup. Uh, this is a guy that can come back healthy and hit 40 home runs and get him in the 13th round, you know, in, in my opinion. Um, the other guy's Hunter Renfro. Yeah. Hunter Renfro, um, it got traded to the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, I think it's a great spot for him. And, uh, you know, he was in San Diego. And when this guy was in San Diego, he, 
I mean, I know the guy hit two, tw- you know, low two two hundreds, but this guy's got massive power, and uh, I think he could be a forty home run guy, forty five home run guy in that ballpark in Tampa. Yeah, because he wasn't even getting full at bats in in San Diego. Exactly, they kept going between him and Margot and and a bunch of other guys, and so you can get him in the sixteenth round. Uh, Yastrzemski, San Francisco, you can get him in the twentieth round. Um, I'll go, I'll go deeper. Got, I'll, I'll, I'll top you on that one. I just drafted a guy named Jalen Davis on San Francisco in okay. the 42nd round of our draft. He is wow. He was penciled in to be the starter. So that's picked yep. like 600 and something. And I just, um, I've been reading, a, re, I've found this uh, article by Jeff Zimmerman. It's called Mining the News. And people are talking about it. It's actually really, really good because it's getting, it, it's, it's, it's talking about things that aren't, that common that you don't see on like your Roto world um, app or whatever. So I saw that there and I was, I was on this guy before that a little bit. And um, yeah. I think just going off the the point of you bringing up the San Francisco outfielders, I think this guy, I think he, I'm going to pull up his minor league stats while you keep, while you bring up your next guy. And uh, I think it was, I think uh, his minor league stats were quite good. Yeah. And you know, just like the closer situation, you're trying to find, Okay, you're trying to find uh, weaknesses, right, where guys can succeed. And so, you know, you might have you might have strong minor league players, and you say, okay, you know, they're you know, to your point, the Giants' outfield is up for grabs. You know, who can step into that? You know, um, um, you know, maybe it's an Alex Alex uh, uh, Dickinson who had who had a, a decent run before he got hurt, or or what have you. Um, you. You're looking you're looking in those late rounds for potential playing time gems. Um, this can't be right. I'm looking at this Fangraphs page. This Jalen Davis guy? A combined thir- oh, 35 home runs. I'm just doing the math in my head. 34 plus 21 is 55 plus 39 is 85. 94, 94 runs. Uh, RBIs are about not the same thing, 90-something. 10 stolen bases. 30, he went 35-10 across two levels in two, in two teams last year. Mm-hmm. And he's going and pick 600, and he's got an everyday job. Hmm. It's worth a dart throw. I mean, at that point, um, you know, there, there are other guys, though, that maybe they don't have starting jobs, but they could work their way in, right? you got like guys like Joey Wendell, who's going 38th yeah. round. Are you a fan of Brandon Lowe? I am. I'm big. I've got a lot of shares of Brandon Lowe. Um, this guy's power is legitimate, and, and he's going to hit in the middle of that lineup more than likely. Me and Mike, and, Curl, me and Mike Curlin, the co-host on the show, were talking about that earlier today on text Yeah, with our other buddy, with our other buddy Brian. And, and uh, yeah, he was like 17, uh, 17 homers, 17 steals across half a season. He was on yep. pace for like a 3,500 year. And you can get this guy in the 14th round of a 15-teamer. People, are, know, afraid. people wait, are afraid. Of, people like, are afraid of the platoon. Yeah, I'm literally. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I've been. I've been waiting. You know, on second base and getting guys like Eduardo Escobar or Brandon Lowe, and just just kind of waiting uh, on that because I feel good about the value later in the drafts. Um, you know, you know, there's there's another you know another guy if you want to look at late late round like a Wilma Flores. You know, this is a guy who's typically been a pretty good hitter, but he doesn't have a job yet, and and it's it's a risk reward, right? You know, maybe he can land into, into something that he can get full-time playing time, but in the 39th round, it's worth it. You know? Yeah, for opinion. sure. Another guy that we talked about earlier on the, one of the earlier episodes was Adam Hazley on the Phillies. 
He's a center fielder. He's projected yep. to be the starter there, and he was going like in picks 500 or 600. His ADP has climbed since then, but he's going very late as a someone that's supposed to get every day at bats. But um, I think Bader's also. I think he's a. I think he could be a similar guy to Bader, and Bader probably can give you more stolen bases even. So Bader might be the better pick. That's a good call on your end. No, I agree. I agree. Um, okay. Another so, guy. Another guy I like too is Brian Reynolds out of Pittsburgh. Where's he going? I don't have any shares of him. I just thirteenth uh... round, fifteen teamer, and but but this guy had a very good year last year in his first year. He's oh, yeah. got great pedigree out of Vanderbilt University, and and uh, you know he's a guy who I'm not big on the Pittsburgh Pirates this year. They got the worst, you know, one of the lowest payrolls, and they seem like they're tanking at times. But um, because they this are. is a guy who's <laughs> gonna he's gonna be pretty much in th- you know batting third in that lineup or second in that lineup every day in front of Josh Bell and. Uh, He's got an opportunity to have a, a big year, you know, playing every day. And that's 13th round. Yeah, and he's going to help you in a scarce category. You know, it feels like the Pittsburgh Pirates, they're, they're like, they're not only tanking in terms of like like wins and losses, they're also tanking in like if there was a measure of making bad trades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Marte trade, man, I'd tell you a lot of folks were shaking their head about that one. And that's probably, and, their, know, that's probably their best, that's probably their best trade. Um, they got, yeah. They oh that the the Tyler Glasnow and Austin Meadows for Chris Chris Archer trade that was that was a good one right the Garrett Cole the Garrett Cole trade oh my gosh unbelievable like, man when you look back at some of those trades you're like you're shaking your head right they, if they just, uh, if they didn't make any trades they're probably be like the favorite to win the World Series this year you're, you're right but That's you know what they probably Austin wouldn't they Meadows probably wouldn't deal. been able they they can't afford it like they wouldn't they wouldn't realistically have Garrett Cole anymore because he would be not controllable. He'd be, yeah. He'd be out of control. But, and and what's, yeah. what's amazing is Garrett Cole's really raised his game to have been traded. Right. I mean, he, he was even, he's always a very good pitcher. Right. Uh, but you know, he's really, I've seen games where Garrett Cole didn't strike anybody out really? when he was with Pittsburgh. When, yeah. You know, you go to his game logs and I only know this cause I, I'd have him in DFS, you know, and I've seen games where, where, you know, he's traditionally been a very good star, starter. Don't get me wrong, but but he has had he has done something in his game where now he is just so dominant that he's automatic just about every time out. And uh, something happened when he made that change from Pittsburgh to Houston that elevated his game to a different status. He's uh, good. He's a good player. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good player. You're right. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I'll tell you another guy who I'm really high on and I think could be the best second baseman in the league is Keston Hayura. Yeah, from the Brewers. I yeah, think, I don't know. You know I don't know how many guy, shares. I, I this is a guy that's going like like either sixth or seventh, depending on where Whit Merrifield goes. This is a guy that's going at a second baseman's that are qualify. He's he's going anywhere from six or seven off the board, and this is a guy who in Milwaukee, I think, is going to have a monster year and a great career. Um, and if you look at his numbers and his skill set, there's nothing. There's nothing stopping this guy from putting up monster numbers. And, and I think it's a great value because, you know, guys are going – the guys going in front of him are like Hedo Marte, uh, Ozzy Albies, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I mean, they're all great players. Jonathan Villar. But Keston Hayura is a guy who I, I see having a big year. So I want to talk a bit about second baseman in that, in that area um, and yep. second baseman in general. I tend to, uh, if I can, get one of those second basemen, one of the ones you're just talking about, like you're at the Albies yep. to Kettle Marte. Kettel Marte yep. here. I get a lot of Kettle Marte. I just think uh, he ends up going last sometimes of everyone. Um, I like Albies a lot too, but 
I have said that I like to, I like to get out of that fourth round with the second baseman because I really don't like, like there's a lot of them. There's a whole run of second baseman that go there. You got your modesty, your wit, your Albies, your Hayura, your Kettle Marte, probably missing one or two. Um, uh, then you really don't have anything that you like until way later on. And like, I, I like, I like your Vigio and I like your Brandon Lowe, but those guys, if you need something else, if you, you have such a thin margin for error, if you miss on those first here that ends in Kedel Marte and you miss on yeah. one of your two targets for whatever reason, people have been reaching on Vigio a lot, then you're really, I really don't like my other option. So I tend to be getting, I tend to get a second baseman or try to in that round three or four area. That's yeah. understandable, and and that's where most of them are going. You know, in the third between third three and five, um, you know, the guys that fall out of three and five are are Muncy, Biggio, and Escobar. And uh, you know, when you look at the numbers between like a guy like Escobar and Marte, they're not that far off for the amount for where they get taken between three and eight. And um, and but but you can also, in my opinion, I I just the guys like even Rudnett Odor. You know, I know the guy's average is not great, but he hits 30 home runs a year, and he's he's only 20. He's still in his mid 20s, and I, and I think that's sometimes we forget. It feels like a guy's been around forever, but he's still developing. You know, 25 to 27 years old. At some point, you know, you can get someone that could put it all together, right? And it's it's a risk reward thing. And I think if you don't get the guy you want at second base in those early rounds, you then have to look and say, okay, I've got. The Brandon Lowe's, the Rune Adores, the Colton Longs, the the Garrett Hampsons, uh, the Kayvon Biggios, those types, you know, can you get something that can supplement the the difference, right? So you don't get Ozzy Albies, maybe you get maybe you get uh Eduardo Escobar, and but but where you would have gotten Albies, you've made an upgrade in another position. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so been, the I, 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 I wanna I want to bring up something here and I'm just looking yeah. at the, um, the, and it was funny that you mentioned Garrett Hampson. So Garrett Hampson, I just looked it up. Um, I don't know if you know the, I don't know if you know his ADP this year, which I'm going to look up right now. Um, do you know his ADP? He, what, you know yeah. He's been going in the 11th round of 15 gamers. So that's what 11 times 15 times 10 is 150. So like around 165 ish. Yeah. It's about right. Yeah. Okay. So I won't, I won't look it up. Um, Last year he was going. Uh, his ADP was 176. So his his ADP has moved up a little bit. Um, in neither neither year has he been assured playing time. Right. And he's been essentially he was essentially a rookie last year. Um, and he's and he hasn't really. And he got off to a bad start too. That kind of buried him. True. Um, yeah. And, he, he, so yeah, he was basically a rookie last year. He was going one one uh, one seventy six. This year, he still doesn't have a full season under his belt, um, uh, and he's going one six. He's going a, a little bit a little bit higher. And I want to look up. I want to look up the ADP of someone else to this this year. He, this year, you're going to see Garrett Hampson continue to go up, and and a lot of it has to do with in the NFBC. A lot of guys look at the second half numbers, and and they look and see how they finished. It's not necessarily how they started, but how they finished. And the idea is, well, this guy finished really strong. He figured something out, you know, so it's going to lead into the next year. And with Garrett Hampson, he figured out his speed game at the end of last year. And I couldn't tell you how many times on Twitter I saw, you know, Garrett Hampson blowing up because he was stealing bases. And, and you know, he kind of took took reins of that second base role. But you've got Ryan McMahon, 
um, uh, who's also wanting playing time, and uh, and Brendan uh, other guys, Brendan Rodgers, yeah. Hillier, Brendan Rodgers, yeah. Daniel yep. Murphy, there's a huge log jam there. But yeah, Hampton. You know, Jose Fuentes, uh, all these guys. I mean, yeah. uh, Sam Hilliard. Yeah. They're all vying for playing time. Yeah, well, Hampton must have been huge for DFS at the end of last year. He, he was, he was, he had a strong September and he so, came on really strong. And I think a lot of people saw that. And I think that's why they're, they're confident going higher on him. So my point here, I mean, I was sort of, I was skating around it for a while. My point is that Hampson went, uh, it was going 176 last year. He's going 165-ish this year. Um, yep. And he's a second baseman that doesn't really have um, a, full, a full season track record. And mm-hmm. he has some degree of pedigree. This year you have Gavin Lux going at 157, 150, 158. So basically the same, yet... Gavin Lux has, he's like the number, he's like a top, top prospect. Um, right. And he's supposedly the start, starting second baseman. I don't think there's, I don't think there's as much in his way and not as much competition yet. He's going the same place as Hampson. I think it's just, I, I, I can't, I, I just looked at this today and I'm starting, when I'm starting to think about a potential best trade and even forget about that. Why is Gavin Lux going so late? And we 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 did we did a little prospect mock draft, and I think it was Chris Blessing who took took him first overall ahead of Louis Robert for these formats, and and it was a surprise it was a surprise to everyone, but I don't know, if, I think he might be onto something here. Like, is Gavin Lux just like a huge value? Like, relative? well, here's the thing. I mean, Gavin Lux has a great spring. He's going to skyrocket up the board, right? Um, a lot. And, yeah. yeah, and and this is where the early drafts come in. You know, you might grab a guy like that, and 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 you know, you get him in the back end of the ninth round or tenth round, and all of a sudden you're like, man, you know, this guy had a great spring, and and he, you know, he ends up going into the top five rounds because people just people love sexy, right? They they fall in love with 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 prospects, and um, and they move up the board very quickly. Yeah. And um, I think he's a great candidate. All right, let's let's end it off. Uh, let's uh, let's let's end this podcast with one more segment, and it's a new segment um, that uh, we're going to start just just with you, John, and we're gonna maybe and right. I, th- I think we're going to continue it um, each segment, and it's going to call it's going to be called twenty twenty vision. So um, okay. it's, a little, it's a little pun on twenty twenty vision with your eyes in the, the year twenty twenty, and it's just making bold predictions. So I want to get one bold prediction from all my guests that come on, and I'm going to give one every time too. So I'm gonna, I'll go first. And I'll give you I'll give you a bold prediction, um, okay. And then you go then you'll 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 uh, you'll give me one. So my bold okay. prediction is going to be that James Karinchuk will be the most valuable relief pitcher in the American League. Oh. Predicated okay. on the fact that Brad Hand will be traded, and um, that's no certainty, but that's what makes it bold. That is very bold. I, I like that. <laughs> I you know. Uh, <laughs> That's a good one. I, you know, I, for me, um, I'm going to say your saves leader, your your MLB saves leader is Ken Giles. And really? um, yeah, well, and, I like and, the sounds of that. You think you're trying to butter me up because I'm a Jays fan, and you're going to just get me thinking about where they're winning all these games. That's right. See, I, I, I'm hoping to get a, I'm hoping to get another another addition, you know, with you. So. I'm, you know, I had to go Toronto there and and, and go Maple Leafs, right? Okay. Yeah, exactly. I don't care. I don't. I don't care about the Leafs. I want the. I'm not a hockey guy. Yeah, just a Jays. But how many saves is he, how many saves does the, does the does that take? I, I think he's 50? forty plus saves. I, I I just you know the the, the Blue Jays are, are making improvements and and you know they might not have made their chattering moves, but 
Um, I like their youth. Um, I think they're going to be a team that, that people are going to enjoy watching because they've got these young studs. They've brought on some veterans like Ryu and Chase Anderson, uh, Tanner Roark, just gamers, just gamer kind of guys. And they're going to be, they're going to be like Boston where the, you've got these grinders and um, Ken Giles has always had elite numbers. You know, if you look at his skill set, he's always been fairly elite. He's had some control issues, but you know, this is a guy that, that you can get late in the draft uh, round eight and nine, and, and he could be your saves leader. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think the whole Toronto club is going to be interesting to watch. Randall Grychuk, uh, some other guys. And you know what, uh, Randall, that was, that was my second choice for a bold prediction. Um, yep. Uh, Grychuk. I said um, I was debating between my Karinchik. I just like the Chucks, yep. I guess. That, uh, I, don't know, I don't know what nationality that would be, but whatever. I was going to say my, 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 other, I was, uh, my other bold prediction, if I didn't choose the Karinchuk one, I would have said Randall, Randall Grychuk hits 40 bombs. Yeah. And I said a that, lot, a lot of I said that forget- last year. I said that last year, too, which I – yeah, thirty-one. Yeah. I think, but a lot of people forget he was drafted. He was drafted in that Mike Trout draft very early, yeah. and uh, he came out of the Angels organization with Trout. And uh, this is a guy who I think has forty-plus home run power. He oh, showed it with St. Louis. He, he's, he, you know, he's had injuries, but he hit. I think he hit thirty-one home runs last year, and he came on real late. But I agree. I, I this is a, this is a guy that's got some power, and I, I just think that club is going to start putting it together. Um, in that division, and I, I think uh, with them and Tampa and, and the Yankees, they'll battle it out. But yeah, I, I just I'm just high. I've got Ken Giles in almost every league this year. I just like where he's going off the board, and I, and I, I think he's uh, he's got a, a skill set, and he'll get 40 plus saves. So are you drafting him over um, guys like Edwin Diaz and Kenley Jansen? Uh, in some cases, yes. Yeah. You know, I do have Diaz and I have Jansen in other leagues. In some in some cases, both of those guys. So you like because that you like that sort of you like that sort of tier of, of closers like right after the elite, yep. elite guys like right after Liam Hendricks is done you, that's when you sort of yep. pounce on closers. That's I never go early. I never have elite relievers. I just never have them because they'll break your heart sometimes. <laughs> but uh, I, I never do it. It happened I, twice I, last I, year with Trinan and Edwin Diaz. What's that? Trinan and Edwin Diaz both broke your heart. Broke your heart last year. Yeah, you know, and 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 you know, for for exactly, and you know, I I just I would rather take a gamble later because I say, okay, you know what? If it doesn't work out, I was comfortable where I took that that player that that closer. But in some cases, depending on where I'm drafting, I try to get ahead of the closer run. So if I if I'm on say if I'm at team eight. And and I draft Ken Giles or Kenley Jansen on the back end. On the back end, I might go ahead and just grab another closer because by the time it gets back in the tenth, you're looking at, you know, we get back to that point of are you drafting a very low end reliever on the hot seat instead of getting the best player on the board, and um, and so I find myself having a lot of shares of Will Smith, Ken Giles, Kenley Jansen, Edwin Diaz, like that group, you know. Cool. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap it up on that. Um, so thank you very much, John. We had John Bosch. And I think um, if I remember correctly, you can find him on Twitter at four slot. So F O U R S L O T. What is that? Is this, that sort of some sort of meeting behind that or just you want to? Yeah. So, 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 uh, four when, slot? <laughs> so when I was playing ball, um, uh, the, my nickname was four slot. And, and a lot of that was because I, I typically batted cleanup and um, uh, it had success in that role. And, and so uh, 
they used to tease me and say, okay, whenever they made out the lineup, the first thing they put was the four slot. And so they put Bosch in the four slot. And so, yeah, that, built, that was kind of a neat. What's that? They built the team around you. For the yeah, they would start the lineup and then that was what they, that's what they said. And I'm very humble saying that, but they would say, okay, well, Bosch is in the four slot. Let's, let's figure the rest out. And so, you know, that kind of just stuck with me as a, and it became a joke, you know, you, you go out with the guys and have a couple of beers and everything else it became a joke. But um, I just said, oh, you know what? I, I needed a handle that was unique and that no one else had. And I said, you know what? I'm going to roll with four slot. <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. We'll, we'll do this again sometime. And uh, you, yeah. can follow, you can follow us um, at uh, Draft Champagne on the podcast. And uh, don't forget to give us a two-star review. See you guys later. Zach, Zach, thanks for having me, buddy. No problem.